This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Media Explode, episode 31, the year-end mailbag. I've got plenty to be thankful for. I haven't got great big yacht to sail from shore to shore. Still, I've got plenty to be thankful for. I've got plenty to be thankful for. Hello, welcome to my fanboy Media Explode, episode 31. It's the last Media Explode of the year. 
Wow. Boom. Congratulations. We did another year in the books. Hooray. Next month, we'll be replacing this show with our end-of-the-year all-media show. So this is the last media explode. It was unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Thanks for being a patron. Thanks for unlocking the show. We enjoy doing it. And we're going to be spending this episode, after we do our initial segment, clearing out the mailbag. It's the end of the year. We'd like to clear out the mailbag. You know, we like to reset every year. So if you've sent in an email to contact.ifanboy.com and you haven't heard your email on the show, send it in again next year. We clear the decks. We start over fresh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say we were, we were clearing the grievances. We were going to start. Uh, well, we, we air the grievances. <laughs> yeah. the yes. Although if, if you didn't hear your question, instead of just sending it in and think, well, why wasn't my question good enough? And work on it, for God's sakes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we, we enjoy the emails. So we're going to get to that in a minute. So, so oh, hey, we never interested. I'm Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Joshua Hannigan. Hey, hey. And Ron Richards. Hello, my friends. If you're a patron, you know we just came out of a hangout. So I, I just assumed everyone knew who we were because we were already talking to people. So now let's restart. This has been a long day. It's been a long day and I'm over so it's it. It's been a long year. <laughs> it's, it's been, been a long, long, year and long day. Yeah, yeah. Start the show quickly. <laughs> Nothing worked out for me today. All right. So let's start the show as we always do with what we've been enjoying since we last spoke in media. This is our non-comics media show. Of course, we would normally do a comic show. This is our non-comics media show. And Josh, why don't you start off with what you've been enjoying? And I assume it's basketball. Well, I talked about that last time, so I can't do it again. I had to really dig deep for this one because it, it mostly has been basketball. But what I have been managing to do in between is catching up on some shows at Netflix, which uh, I had almost abandoned for dead as a platform. Mm-hmm. But I realized there was a third season of Narcos Mexico or Narco Mexico, which I really enjoyed both the Narcos series and the, the Narcos Mexico series. You know, the, the lead on the DAA side is our favorite, Scoot McNary. Mm. Oh, Scoot. Been a while yeah. since I've seen Scoot. He's in stuff, but like, you know, he's been, this is the third season of this show he's been in. He narrated the first couple and then he didn't show up till the end of the first one. But- Scoot McNary, just, just just FYI, my old co-worker's neighbor. Okay. Oh. He was telling us once, he was like, oh yeah, I did stay at home Thanksgiving, us and our neighbor, we got all of our kids together. He's some actor, he's got a funny name like Scoot or something. And I was like, Scoot McNary? Scoot? Scoot is in a, a long-term relationship with Kevin Bacon and Skira Sedgwick's daughter. Well, there you go. That's, oh. that's, that must be the other person in there. Anyway, continue. Mm, wow. So basically, the original Narco series focuses on Pablo Escobar and the Colombian cartels. There's two seasons of that, and you sort of see how that ends up. And then they move into Mexico, just sort of like how the next step in the thing and how the cartels in Mexico get formed and how the, the drug system is set up. And so for the first two seasons, Andor himself, Diego Luna. Diego Luna. Yeah. Who, who is excellent actor was in those and, and now we're sort of in the next phase where you know we're, we're we're spending time with el chapo and it's all like real life stuff it's a really really well-made show that the, it's super engaging it sort of explains where we are and what we're doing just a, a ton of great actors i'm, I'm really a big fan of the show and i, I kind of take it slowly just because i have to really pay attention to it but it kind of makes it better the only other thing is that i really enjoy dairy girls Mm. It's a fine show on Netflix that's actually very funny and it makes me laugh a lot. You should talk to my mom. She loves that show. Does she? Yeah. Yes. I kind of I, I, I the third season came out. I thought, do I still want to watch this? I couldn't remember. And and I was watching, I've like, watched three of them maybe. And I laugh a lot. Lindsay was like, What are you watching? I was like, I'm watching Dairy Girls, it's funny. There's a couple of just great actors. There's a, a Peter Curran who was in uh he was in the um sorry, the the dragon show. House of Dragons. House of the Dragons. Uh, he was the uh, the king of the, the not the king, the leader of the the 
guards the king white of the dragons no like you know the the guys with the white cloaks who guard the king king's guard king's guard king's guard yeah, yeah he was that guy and then also he was in train spotting he was mother superior he was the one who sold them their drugs and he plays like a doddering old man in that show and he makes me laugh every single time he speaks it's actually a really funny show what is that about what yeah is explain to people what it is. Yeah, it takes yeah. place in northern ireland in, in Derry. In, in Northern Ireland in the 90s. So the troubles are still going on and it's a weird place to grow up as a teenage girl. And Yeah, and, so it's the, it's the backdrop of, of the yeah. troubles and it's teenagers in high school. Well, I, I watched about half the first season. Yeah. It's like a girl's school, but one of them is a guy. At least that yeah, was yeah, the first yeah. Season. And, and he's English and they, they treat him like shit and he doesn't have any other friends. And it's it's very basic. It's kind of very simple and sweet. There's that one girl who's the short blonde girl and she's supposed to be a teenager, but she's actually 35. And she's, well, she's in, Bridgerton in um, too. Bridgerton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I looked it up. I was like, she's 35? <laughs> All right. Yeah, it. It, it's entertaining. It's light. It's short. That's me. I'll talk about a couple of things. It's tough because this is kind of the last gasp before Christmas takes over and my time is spent watching holiday movies or this year the world cup like the world cup's about to start and or when you hear this it'll start and it'll subsume my entire daytime existence but in the meantime i wanted to mention the return of mythic quest on oh, apple tv plus so good i've watched total I return to form it was really good it's really the good. second season as we talked about last time was totally hobbled by the pandemic you could tell even though there were some really great episodes in that second season, overall, it wasn't as strong as the first one. It didn't hold together because of the pandemic. The characters were segmented off into small groups. You didn't have that whole cast interaction going on, which made the first season so much fun. This season, Return to Form, really, really funny, but also heartfelt in that way that it's it's almost, you know, it's always sunny. It's very sort of uh, unabashedly funny and they don't give a shit, right? They don't care who they offend and they don't care. This is a nicer version of that sense of humor. That's probably true. Yeah, you know, it takes place at a movie, at a video game studio. And the one the most recent one from our recording was the one the third episode where they the girls have brunch. And uh, I haven't seen it yet. Don't spoil it for me. Yeah, stop 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 stop. The characters are back together <laughs> after they were all separated because right. and it's been very very funny. They've lost F Marie Abraham. That first episode though. That was yeah. The, the part that I was, it was heartfelt. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it it was really greater than the sum of its parts is what I would I would say about that. It's a very funny show. And I look forward to it every yeah. every Friday. I also want to mention I'm reading The Passenger, the new novel by Cormac McCarthy, and I'm in the middle of it. I'm probably about a about a fifth of the way through it. And it's been it's been a challenge. I, I'm a big fan of The Road. It's the only other Cormac McCarthy book I've read. He's written a lot of books that you've seen made into films. He wrote No Country for Old Men and Blood Meridian and things like that. This is much more of a magical realism kind of situation, and I've been having a tough time with it. His style is very idiosyncratic, very dialogue heavy. He doesn't use quotation marks. Weird. The, the first couple of chapters I had a really hard time with. Then I started connecting with it once the story took off, but... Uh, it's a tough one. I'm saving my my opinion for the end, obviously, when I finish. But right now, I'm just struggling. I'm interested, but not excited about it. He's a literary giant. Do you listen to the Iggy Pop song the entire time you're reading it? Because as soon as you said <laughs> The Passenger, it's been going through my head no. constantly. Right. He's like a 90-year-old, not reclusive, but sort of private literary giant who puts out a book every so often. He's actually putting out a second book related to The Passenger later on in, in about a month. 
it's interesting. It's just not great yet. Uh, I'm only I'm not I'm not far enough into it to make a decision on it. But he's a big name in the, in the literary world, and it's always a big deal when people it's like true. that put books out. Is he an older person, or is he? A... He's like ninety. Okay, that's what that makes sense. Impressive. He's not the guy. Who's the guy that the movie with with Jason Segel and uh, and Jesse Eisenberg? Who was no, that? That guy? was that was. Uh... Oh, uh, David Foster Wallace. David Foster That's Wallace. That's who it is. That's not yeah. Cormac McCarthy. I thought that was the same, no. same person. No, Cormac McCarthy is like an old grizzled cowboy writer. You know, he wrote The Road. He wrote Blood Meridian. He wrote No Country for Old Men. He wrote All the Pretty Horses. What did David Foster Wallace write? Basically, just that one book, and then he died. What was the one book? Confederacy of Dunces. It was a massively popular book that was a little douchey, but also very good. And No, it's Infinite Jest is the book. Infinite You're Jest, right. that's You're it. Right. Yeah, that's it. You're right. You're right. Yep. By the way, David Foster Wallace from Ithaca, New York. Oh, interesting. Born in Ithaca, our college town. Fascinating. That's what I've been into as I'm sort of literally shutting things down because once December starts, I'm all in on Christmas movies and Christmas shows. And, and the World Cup's going to make that even Very excited for the new Great British Bake Off Holiday Edition, which is on Netflix, which just, just came out. I'm very excited to start watching that. And then the World Cup will take up the other half of my time. So yeah. there you go. All right. Well, I'll pick up the slack, the momentum mm-hmm. here. But I, I, too, will be tuning into the World Cup, although, as we kind of were talking about when we were chatting about it yesterday, I'm struggling because Italy didn't qualify, and I have a hard time rooting for the U.S. because it's never really – Sure. It's not really going to do well, so let's be honest. My prediction is they will get out of the group stage. Oh, that's nice. probably it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to being pleasantly surprised by their performance, let's just say. But you know what? The thing is um, – let's talk about the World Cup just for one second. I have okay, a great sure. memory – do you remember you and I watching that U.S. game, the Landon Donovan game in yeah, your apartment yeah, in San sure. Francisco? Yeah. yeah. I have a wonderful memory of that. Yeah. Of that game where he broke free at the end and scored that goal. Yep. And yep. I remember just jumping off your couch. Yep. Some of my fondest memories of the past 20 years have been related to watching the World Cup, whether it was, you know, watching it at home with my dad and my brother-in-law or watching it in San Francisco. We used to all go to Danny Coyle's on Hate Street and get a good table and a bunch of my friends and we'd watch the games like nothing but great memories related to that tournament. I say I'm a casual soccer football, you know, football fan. Like, I don't follow, you know, La Liga. I don't follow like MLS. I don't follow any of that stuff. But every four years... At the country level, I'm in. You know, like I'll I'll, I'll watch for the drama. Well, I remember in know? the last one, I have a back injury that I have to be very careful about. I remember in that last World Cup tournament, the U.S. played Portugal. Yep. And the U.S. had taken the lead late, and I was like, "Oh my God, are we going to upset Portugal?" And then, of course, Ronaldo came back and scored, and they, they ended up losing. But I remember when the U.S. scored the go-ahead goal, I jumped off the couch, and I landed badly. And ended up having to go back into physical therapy from my back. Jeez. <laughs> because of my celebration of them scoring a goal. Like I literally, I landed and I went, oh, fuck. Because I knew right away that was hurt. Can we also take a, a sidestep also tapping into also myth, somewhat mythic quest, but I'm, I'm still continuing to watch Welcome to Wrexham, which we talked about yep. in past episodes. We just watched the episode that dealt with the hooliganism in Wrexham mm-hmm. related to the right. team. Good episode. And I did find it very amusing to hear Rob McElhenney in a, in a very serious tone try to understand or parse hooliganism as it exists in British soccer. 
without ever addressing the fact that he's from freaking Philadelphia. And I was saying to my wife, I'm like, Philly, where they threw D-cell batteries at J.D. Drew you know, on the baseball field. Like, Philadelphia, that riots at, you know, like, like, it's not, like I feel like the guy from Philly should understand hooliganism, right? right, right. <laughs> but, but, but I understand why he had to take that serious tone. But still, it was, uh, it was it, that was amusing. It is a different thing. Yeah, yeah, like, no. It's, yeah. Not, it's not better or worse. <laughs> But it is a different. No, but did you see the episode I'm, I'm talking about? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. The way he he was very resolute about it. I'm like, acknowledge a little bit that you can at least get it. You know. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so getting ready for the World Cup, I do want to acknowledge that one of Connor's high favorite shows of recent years, The Good Fight, wrapped up. Uh, yep. With its final season. I will say that the second to last episode was my favorite episode of the season because that felt the truest to the good wife, good fight, you know, legacy. Mm-hmm. And if the whole season had been that storyline or tied to that, like anytime the guy who plays Neil Gross, uh, what is the guy's actor? The <laughs> I really love him. He was in that Manhattan show. John Benjamin Hickey. He's fantastic. I love him. I'll watch anything with that guy. But so that, that second last episode for me was the high point. Definitely, you know, enjoyed the the five seasons of The Good Fight. And I'm sad to see the whole, you know, kind of the, the universe yeah. come to a close. Hopefully they, they come up with a new show, but we'll see. We'll be talking about that in our all media show for sure. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. But I will say that not so much watching or I, I watched it kind of live, but I was lucky enough a couple of days ago to go see Quentin Tarantino in person in New York City. He's on a book tour for his book that just came out, Cinema Speculation. It was awesome because it was at Town Hall in the city, and you got a copy of the book with your ticket. So now I'm deep into this book of Quentin Tarantino talking about 70s films, which is just fantastic, but was lucky enough to have third row seats, so literally like 10 feet away from Tarantino, and got to listen to him talk about movies for three hours, which is like a blast. Yeah, right before The Passenger, I finished Cinema Speculation. It, yeah. You'll fly through it. Yeah, I imagine it's going to come up on the year-end show as well. It, what's funny is if you live in LA, the theater he owns, the New Beverly, has been showing all month long those movies he's been talking about. Like it's funny, I read a chapter which is about a film, and I look, and it's been showing at the New Beverly. Well, that's called synergy, Connor. Right, and I've been <laughs> I've been searching them out because a lot of the films he talks about, you can watch they're on HBO Max or, or other places. So I've been watching, and not every one he talks about, and I've seen many of the ones he's talked about, like yeah. a Bullet or The Getaway, but. It was funny. I watched Dirty Harry, which is one of the books you nice. talked about. Yeah. And I'd never actually seen it. You know, it's in the cultural zeitgeist. You know, the are you feeling lucky? You know, that kind of thing. But I actually watched it. It's on HBO Max. It's terrific. Yeah. I'm unsurprised by that. I feel like I have watched that once and had the same thought, but it's been so long I forgot. It's a really, really good. Based on Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo? No, the guy that Mark Ruffalo plays in Zodiac okay. is the cop that Dirty Harry. The, the, the Mark real... Ruffalo plays a. Doesn't he play a reporter? No, Mark Ruffalo oh, plays the cop. cop. Yeah, Tashi. That cop was the a vast inspiration on Dirty Harry and whatever the Bronson, you know, like the 70s cop oh, uh, type, you know, concept like shoulder, you know, the 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 holster, shoulder, yeah, the holster. Whole shoulder holster type, you know, like that sort of thing. That all came from that cop. And he taught he was a Hollywood. That's everyone made fun of him because he was a Hollywood guy because he would like go talk to directors and stuff like that because he was a real, you know, like that's well, Ruffalo brought a different thing to that. Don yeah. Siegel was the director of the Dirty Harry film, and that's like one of Tarantino's idols. He's the reason why Tarantino wants to retire. Yeah. Because his whole thing was Don Siegel should have stopped when he was still vital and not done the last couple of films he did, which he thinks sullied his reputation. Don Siegel comes up a lot in that book. Ron, if you haven't, you should check out every once in a while, see if those films are available because it's it's worth 
Oh, sure, reading yeah. An, reading his analysis and then, yeah. and then watching them, it really makes it for much richer. I got through the bullet chapter was the, the second – the first chapter is like kind of setting the groundwork about Tarantino. But then the second chapter is bullet and I'm like, oh, man, I want to watch bullet again. Because like so, so much of the observations he makes about and – and this came up in the talk, like which was great. Like yeah. what I wanted to hear was Tarantino's unique perspective, but also what I love about Tarantino's writing – is that there is no way to not hear it in his voice. Yes, and he's very enthusiastic about it. Which just cracks me up. In talking about Bullet, I assume both of you have seen Bullet, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. What's it about? Well, it's about a, yeah. I mean, <laughs> right, it's, you it's, don't it's know. Like, like, like what the movie's about doesn't matter. Like yeah. what matters is how cool Steve McQueen is. Just you saying that sounded like Quentin Tarantino. Right, exactly. Right. And what's great is that he writes sentence like that. Like he's like he's like like he it's a very it's a very Robert Evans esque way of writing, right? Where it's like you can hear what him that movie was about doesn't matter. It's about how cool yeah. he yeah. is. It just really captures that Tarantinoism of it, but also with some great observations about some classic films, like no film has shot San Francisco the way Bullet did. And like that is enough of a thing to put that movie on the pedestal. You know, like the narrative doesn't matter in the movie because it's because it looks so beautiful. And like it just like so much of it was like that. I'm And reading it, like getting excited because you there's no way to not get excited around someone as, as passionate as, and, and infectious as Tarantino is. So. The chapters go in interesting directions. They aren't always straightforwardly about the movie itself. The chapter about the outfit, he spends a lot of time just talking about yep. the Parker books because he was a big yep. fan of those. So he spends a good portion of that chapter just talking about the books. And also, if you read Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the novelization, like the, one it. of the best parts of that book was the digressions about Hollywood. Yep. Like you would meet an actor in the book and he would spend two pages talking about that actor's career. Yep. And that time I'm like, fuck, write a book about this. And that's what he did with yeah. this, uh, cinema speculation. So I hope he does more of them because this is all in the 70s. It's all 70s films. So um, it'd be interesting to see his take on other things about yeah. Hollywood. But I just finished it. And it was terrific. Yeah. Totally love it. Totally. I'm, I'm all about it. But seeing him in person was great. Check that off the bucket list. You know, like that sort of Taller thing. than you'd expect. Oh, no, I knew how tall he was. He's very tall. I know, but just yeah, in yeah. person. At one of these book tour spots, that's the, the quote that came out of it was about how he would never want to make a Marvel movie because he doesn't, he's not looking for a job, you know, like he's not, you know, like. <laughs> Nor would you want him to. The moderator pressed him on it. Well, like, yeah, well, if you, if you did do a Marvel movie, what would you do? <laughs> and it was like the two of the most unsurprising answers. He's like, well, first would be Luke Cage. It's yeah. Like, yeah <laughs> no, okay, duh. And he's like, second would be Sergeant Fury and Howling Commandos, which he already did with Inglorious Bastards, right? And right. so <laughs> Brad Pitt is Sergeant Fury. Yeah, exactly. But either way, it's fun it's fun to hear him talk about it. And, and that's where he also revealed he wrote a eight episode TV series that's gonna go into production next year, supposedly, which doesn't count as his tenth movie. So we'll see. But yeah, it was a fun night and a great book to come out of it. So strong if you're a film fan, I strongly recommend it. Oh totally for sure. I just took a sip of water and took a bunch of ice in my mouth, so we we gotta make them sit with this that's what they call a segue folks yep so that's what we've been enjoying let's jump into the into the year in mailbag we've got a bunch of mail here on a lot of different topics if you have written us into contact at fanboy.com throughout the year we've done a couple of mailbags a couple of emails at the end of the shows if you didn't get your email we're sorry about that but we'll start fresh in the new year so if you are waiting to hear your email you haven't gotten to it we're gonna do what we go bankruptcy email bankruptcy we'll start fresh so send it back in our first email comes from John V. from Kensington, Brooklyn, New York. I like that he specified the, the neighborhood. Oh, wow, that's nice. Yeah, John, I think my brother lives in there. John V. says, love your overratings take. So we talked. We had talked about things being overrated as a dumb 
dumb criticism. But can something be overrated at a specific time? The examples I'm thinking of are REM's Monster, which topped many of the top 10 lists in 1994, but hasn't been talked about that much since. And The Strokes, Is This It? The emblematic Rolling Stone review opened with, this is the stuff of which legends are made. And 21 years later, I don't hear many people talking about them as legends. Can Zeitgeist distort a rating? Or, since the thrill can add genuine enjoyment, is it a just factor in a rating? Or, to paraphrase Sam Elliott, sometimes there's a rating. Well, that's the rating for its time and place. Also, I find that calling something overrated often involves some animosity, either in relation to stuff that a person likes. I got so mad each time I saw Monster rated higher than Guided by Voices B1000. Or some personal history thing. My band practiced at the same time as the Strokes, but couldn't practice all day and night with its best gear because none of our parents owned modeling agencies. Animosity ever unfairly affect your ratings? There's a lot to unpack here. There certainly is, yeah. Yeah, I will say in uh, and I I do share the annoyance at Monster getting rated higher than B thousand, which I think is one of the the best records hands uh, guided by voices. B thousand, one of the best records hands down in the nineties period of any genre. Like that record is so good. But I will say that I frequently in the last twenty five years will listen to what's the frequency, Kenneth? That's a great song. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. It's a great song. I find that surprising. Listen, that is a that is a world class guitar tone in that. Yeah, yeah it's so that, cool. I that love that guitar sound. tone. I love that sound. Is one of the best guitar tones. Wah, wah, so, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it, you know what? It's an interesting <laughs> thing because when a thing comes out and people write reviews, it's hard to go with overrated. No. Well, first of all, it's it's good to just reset. Like, if okay. people haven't heard before, like as a group, we sort of think overrated is a dumb criticism. In general, not not always, but it's generally speaking a, a lazy. Well, don't, don't speak for me. Yeah, I do. I do agree. It is, but I will say that I do. Conversely, I do embrace underrated. Yeah, vastly. underrated is different because <laughs> underrated tends to be like something no one knows about because it's either very small indie thing people haven't heard about. But overrated is more like I didn't like this very popular thing that other people liked. It tends to be overrated. Right. That's criticism. that's really what that is. You know, underrated tends to be with. Even either it's it's unpopular, unknown, but or people skip over the part of it that makes something great. So, example here would be Reign of Fire. Well, it's just a dumb dragon movie. But then when you watch it, like there's a bunch of other stuff going on that like it is it's appreciated by a small few, you know, because it was skipped over by most. I guess it's the same thing. Overrated, certainly from the standpoint, it comes to me. It, it always started with me with people who say this is always the one that gets me is that the Beatles are overrated. It's like, no, it's just, it's patently untrue. Now what you're saying a lot of times is I don't like this thing that everybody else likes. There's all sorts of reasons. Maybe the strokes used up your practice time, <laughs> maybe, you know, something else, but it really it's, it overrated is the watchword. But the thing is, I don't like this thing that everybody else likes and it's bad. Not I'm missing it or I'm, it's just. Well, I just have different tastes, and I don't like the thing everyone else is right. enjoying. You know, and right. that's and that's fair, but that's more of a valuable criticism than it's overrated. People rate it too highly, and I think that what he says is correct. They're all wrong. I'm right. Animosity or jealousy often plays into people calling things overrated. Yeah, yeah. But I think he's also. I mean, he's also correct. Like you rate things in a time and a place. You know, yeah. most people aren't rating things yes. for posterity. Like we do our movie reviews, and we do we give it a star rating at the end of the review. I don't remember what the star ratings are. You know, it, it's how I feel at that moment of us talking about it. It doesn't mean for posterity I'm saying movie X is a four-star movie out of five. I'm yeah. saying in the moment of the conversation, this is how I feel about it. 
it may change in a week, it may change in a month, and it may change in a year. I really try to differentiate between my subjective feelings on something going into it, why there's some other reason, why I don't, you know, like that stuff all matters. You know, there's some objective things, but even that's subjective. In, in Art is way. subjective. Even the things you can objectively measure, they're still at the end of the day, it's all subjective. Right. I mean, the thing is this, though. I get what he's saying in the question, but I think it's I think it's not parallel to what we're talking about because if REM's monster came out when it did, and now, however, twenty years later, more than that, probably twenty five years later, everybody was still going, man, that album just changed everything. You'd be like, no, it didn't. You know, like it. Well, it's what is it? It's it's the joke. It's the shins, right? The shins will change your life. Right. <laughs> no, they're not. No, they won't. <laughs> but maybe somebody I mean, who's really into them, it did. Sure, yes. yeah. And you would never take that away from them. Right. right. I do think that it's funny because he was talking about the strokes. And like I've never been super into the strokes. It wasn't a thing. But they're unquestionably were a big deal. Yeah. At the time, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Not even at the time. There's a turning point where like rock pop. Like it, they they affected all of it. That documentary is about to come out about that time that time period. They were one of yeah. the last big rock yeah. bands. Yeah, yeah. Rock bands are like, still and they, they genuinely did a thing that I want to say was original, but it was you know retro original. But it influenced so many things that came after it. Even if it was to say we're not going to play like that, right? You know, so they're not overrated in that sense. Like you can like it or not, but like that was a moment. It's funny that you would mention REM's monster because like the album from uh, earlier than that, Losing My Religion, like that album to me seems like the one. That, Automatic for the people. Yeah. Like that's the one that yeah. broke them. In. But if you talk about animosity, I totally remember in high school, REM was playing Madison Square Garden and everybody from my high school was going to that. And I wasn't, you know, I, I'm not a music guy like you guys are. So I wasn't super into REM. And I, I felt this animosity towards REM because everyone else in my high school was I super the into them. I same way about them. And I was like, oh, well, they suck anyway. I listened to the Beatles. You know, I, I listened to 60s music when I was in high school. And- REM is really interesting because I've never really liked them. But I like them more now than I did. Oh, then. I, yeah. I don't not like it. I just don't really like I'd never connected. With you haven't dove into the, the discography, have you? No, I mean I have. I have most of it. I don't celebrate to it. the whole catalog. It's just it just <laughs> I just don't quite like his voice. I just don't quite like the thing. Like I understand they are an incredibly important band for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. They were like the first indie band to go huge. Yeah. You know, in, in the modern era. You know, they pushed a lot of people around who wouldn't have been known otherwise. You know, the, the Minutemen and the the replacements, you know, yeah. much to their own uh, detriment to a certain extent. You know, they're like Sonic Youth in that way, in a different context slightly. Well, my point is, I didn't have any justifiable reason to hate them. I didn't sure. really listen to their music. And the only songs of theirs I knew were the ones that were on MTV. And I liked them. They played Losing My Religion far too often. Right, but my <laughs> point is, I didn't have any reason other than people really liked them and I was sick of hearing about it. And so that plays into his second part of sometimes animosity towards something for no good reason allows you to say this sure. is overrated because you don't feel like you're part of the thing. Right, but you know better now. And you were no, kid, I know, yeah, I'm an so. adult now. I'm trying to think if there are still things that, like, that's one of the, like, you know, we talk about The Godfather was a cultural phenomenon and extremely popular, but also extremely well regarded. And I would say R.E.M. is one of those bands, too. You know, very, very, very popular and also very well critically regarded. And I can't think of things like that anymore in music, but it might just be that I don't know those genres as well. Yeah. The era is over also for rock and roll. 
Yeah, but it works the same way. Like, uh, well, like I understand. I've listened to enough Kendrick Lamar to be like, yeah, I totally understand that. I see it. But I've also heard that about, and and this is before everything. But I've heard that about Kanye West for years, and like I just don't understand. Yeah, I, I heard somebody talk about. Don't get me started on, but like how Kanye West is is driving culture, and it's like, what really? What, you know, like uh, I think that. Oh, we're God, we're gonna sound awful. I know. <laughs> People had referred to him, you know, and what he's done in music and in hip hop as, you know, transitory. And, and I believe that to be true. I just don't know yeah. why. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's the case. But I don't get it. I, I You know, yeah. I've heard the stuff. I just missed it. So it doesn't seem like that way. But I want to listen to What's Frequency Kenneth right after this, though. Then. Wah, 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 wah. I find that shocking. It's I don't one of the it. most bizarre cultural moments that became a song. It really is. I mean, because it's all about Dan Rather getting attacked in Central Park, which I love, right? right. <laughs> which is great, though, because whoever attacked Dan Rather and dropped into the ground and screamed, what's the frequency, Kenneth? Like, that is a great line. And whether they're mentally ill or whatever was going on with that, I'm fascinated by that moment in time happening. Yes. <laughs> Andrew B. writes and says, you three know each other's taste so well. Do we? And we frequently hear each one of you enjoy some piece of media the others recommend based on what they know about you. Yet there are other times when one of you refuses to watch something the others say they know you would enjoy. If you know one of the other hosts would like something but are resistant, how do you get them to soften their stance? Also, has Josh somehow become the host most open to new things recommended by the other hosts? <laughs> I don't know about any of this question. <laughs> so... How do we get each other to try something that we know they'll like, but they are hesitant to do so? so uh, not very well. This. The answer well. Is, th- is this. I don't think we do anymore. I, exactly. I was going <laughs> to say. We, I think we learned to say, hey, there's this thing. And, and if the other one isn't, you know, okay, I did my job. Yep. Like, it's no skin off my nose. We were talking about this on the Hangout earlier, Ron, before you joined us, was that something has changed in the last few years where there's so much yep. to watch and do. You can't possibly do it. So now... I will tell you guys, hey, I watched this movie. I told you guys about the Automat. I watched it. It was fun. I liked it. Yeah. And that's all I'll say. Yeah. I'm not going to harp on it. I'm not going to you know, mention it every time. I'm just going to say it one time. Hey, this was cool. Yeah. You might enjoy it. But I also know there are 15 shows that you guys are trying to watch and don't have time for yeah. because there's overabundance of things to do and watch and see. I'm not going to get hung up on it anymore. It's not I, like it was I 10 years ago. I did watch half of that. And then Lindsay wanted to go to sleep and we haven't finished it. But I I didn't say it. But yes, I watched it. Because but my point is, it's not 10 or 20 years ago where right. you could actually watch these things right. that we really would harp sure. on. And now it's just like, I don't even have time to watch the things I want to watch. I know they don't. So I'm not, yeah. not going to be a dick about it. It works more like you put the suggestion there. So if the opportunity comes up, then yep. the person has a little something to grab onto. So whereas I was like, oh, man, I watched The Bear. It was really good. So when Ron's flipping around, he's maybe you were you know 5% more likely to start watching yep. that. Exactly. I was going to say, it's a lot more subtle now, and, and it's not premeditated you know because the thing is like you know historically we've all gone to great lengths to try to get someone to pay attention i mean like hell josh i mean like when i sent you the bendis avengers trade i was like you have to read this (laughs) you weren't wrong you know yeah no exactly and so like you know but but now it it exactly is that it's just like like i started watching mythic quest because connor you mentioned that like oh it's actually pretty good and i was like and i didn't even know rob mcelaney was in it like i was already a fan of it's always sunny and i was like like it was off my radar and it just takes one of you two mentioning something to put it back on your radar to do it from there. I feel like the harder we try, 
to get somebody to do it, the less likely they will, you know, and, and, and I'm the worst defender of it all. Like I, I mean, Fargo, those who are listening who don't know, I am a Taurus and I live <laughs> up to the stubborn nature of it where I, I will just, just, just a fucking spite the two of you. I won't watch it. Right. Just like, you know, <laughs> Fargo. Hold on. You have been my best friend for 25 plus years. <laughs> I have never once ever heard you mention nope. anything astrology. Never. <laughs> I'm a Taurus. Who the fuck is this? We've known you for a generation. I've never heard you use astrology as an excuse for anything. I like to. Ever. I like to surprise you. <laughs> I know nothing about astrology other than what my sign is, but that's it. Like I know what it is. What is your? I don't sign? know what it means. It's a Pisces, but I don't know what that means. <laughs> I know that everybody born at the same time as me ain't the same as me, so it's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I know every time I tell people I'm a Scorpio that they recoil. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I watched The Bear because of you guys both saying yeah. it was good. That was why I watched it. Well, I like think, I, I'd I heard about both. it. There will be a time where like if, if one of you came and be like, I just watched this and you need to check it out. Like I do save the percentage of that to, OK, yeah, it, it's it, it's enough to move them to say you should check it out or this is right up your alley. Like, but it, again, it's it's the degrees of getting it on our radar, Connor, because, to your point, because there is so much to choose from, you know, and it's a multiplier. If both of you say. This was really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm way more likely to watch it than if sure. just one of you says it. Yeah. Just because, again, there's like three shows right now. I'm in the middle of watching and I don't have time to continue to watch. Time is a premium. I am upset about There's a couple that stick around that I'm still upset about. Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights <laughs> for Ron. Like, I'm not mad about it. I just know that he would really like it. I'm just trying but to make not, you mad I'm, about I'm it. I'm not past <laughs> it. Fargo season three. With Michael Stuhlbarg and Ewan McGregor playing twins. I watched the I first episode watched. of that. I just didn't, it didn't, didn't, you know, like it just didn't grab me for whatever reason. Yeah, so. but that was the same thing. Like I also was like, I was like, you guys have to watch The Nick. And you said you watched the first one. It didn't do anything for you. And yeah. I was like, well, you need to keep going. But whatever, I'm past it. Yeah. I think, Connor, I sent you the DVDs of From the Earth to the Moon. Yes. And I don't think you've watched it yet. I watched HBO. the first episode and it was just like, this was enjoyable. And then, you know, things happened. I, that's so good that's better than anything that's in the that's in the band of brothers mode what i haven't told you is there there was another part of zemo that i cut out because of time where he went on a long thing about how i refuse to watch better call saul and it makes him angry oh Uh, you know the email writer the email writer wow well not angry angry but like sad for me but like i don't refuse to watch it you know it's not on my it's not high on my list there's a lot of were you both Breaking Bad people. I was no, originally I into Breaking Bad before you guys were. I was the. First I was never. I've never seen a single episode of Breaking Bad. Don't let me in okay. with that. If you go back, I distinctly remember. You know, Breaking Bad. The, the first few seasons wasn't popular. It it wasn't until it hit I, Netflix and blew up that it I became. Think a I, thing. I remember it. early on, maybe season one or two, on an all media episode at the end of the year, saying this show is as good as Mad Men, but no one's talking about it. I am an OG Breaking Bad fan. No, that's that's fine. I, I, so I kind I, of the, feel annoyed that everyone else has taken it, and I'm just like, well, fuck off. Like I was there in the beginning. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's a whole overrated. You've thing. underrated it. His, yes. you, you still like the show, but also there's a thing where I don't necessarily want any more in that world. I yeah. had it. It is not the same. I, I here's it. what I know. I know that Breaking Bad was a very, very, very good show, and I watched it, and I was very compelled by it. I don't love it. Like, I don't think about it anymore. I don't want to go back and watch it. I think I actually enjoyed watching Better Call Saul more. It's also a very good show, but I stopped watching it. So Our buddy Hank says it's his favorite show of the last 10 years. It's fantastic. It was really, really good. I just dropped off and wasn't motivated to get back on. Yeah, that's tough. There's literally just not time. 
Yeah, no, no. Like I started watching Strange New Worlds. I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and I enjoy. I've been enjoying it, but I about I three or four it. episodes in, I stalled out and got distracted by other shows, and I just haven't gone back to it. Yeah, I still haven't. I still haven't had a chance to do it. Yeah, the time is very precious. The same thing. Like I'm two episodes in on Andor, and mainly because not you guys haven't touched it, but because everybody else in my feed and all this sort of stuff are raving about it as it's progressing on. But like when we sit down to watch something, it's like so low on the list that I can't get the momentum behind it. You know, so it's it's frustrating. Space Whorehouse. Yeah. And the thing is, you only have from like I only have a couple hours a night, to right? Do this. No, so yeah. it's like, what is my yeah, two hours going to go? Okay, I'm three? lucky if I get ninety minutes. It's tough. I think we're we've matured in this because we used to get mad at each other. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. don't you watch Friday Night Lights? But yeah. now it's just like whatever. I mean, yeah, I mean that's your you guys your own fault. What, what do you mean it's our fault? I, we tried hard. We didn't try. I, I hard can't enough. take any responsibility we tried for, for like ten. I can't years. take any responsibility how you react to, to my my indifference, <laughs> Ron. It's so good. <laughs> It is. Sure it is. It's so, you would love it. I don't like football. It doesn't matter. It's not about football. <laughs> it's wow. like Ted Lasso. How quickly we... <laughs> Matt K. from Long Island, New York. Yeah, represent. Redson says, what are your TV setups like? Are you living the 90s dream with surround sound home theater or just happy with a sound bar? 4K? No K? I'd love to know the nerdy details. I've been thinking about this question for two years after I completed my media server pandemic project, which entailed ripping my entire DVD, Blu-ray, and CD collection, dumping it all into a network-attached storage. Nass. Nass. So what is, your, what is your current home AV setup? I'll go last. Why? Is it that good or no, that bad? The, He's going to blow us away. Yeah, no, it's not bad. But yeah, you guys go first. So I have the living room set up and I have an office set up in the office. It's just my old TV and my old sound bar. It's just whatever. My main setup, though, is the living room. I've got a Sony 4K Ultra Smart LED TV, 55-inch. It's slightly dying. I probably need to get a new TV. It's having some troubles. It will randomly turn itself off <laughs> or have trouble turning on. And so I'm, there. I'm probably looking for a new TV. I've had it for a few years. I've got a Sony 4K Blu-ray player. I've got a bunch of 4K DVDs that are Blu-rays that I enjoy. I have a Yamaha... 7.2 channel receiver that Josh recommended I got. It's worked pretty well. I've got a 4K Apple TV, and I have really nice Axiom M60 front speakers, but I don't really have the setup to do any other speakers. Like I bought backs, and I thought I would have a place to put them, but I don't, so they're just sitting in the closet. there's rear and surround. There's no. I have two rears. You probably have surrounds if you're talking about a 5.1 setup, because rears... No, I've got a 7.2 setup. Around. Right, but... I have two rears that I just don't have a place to put them, so they're in a closet. So I've got everything coming out of the two front speakers. So I don't have surround sound still. I had it very briefly in Brooklyn. What about the wiring? It was a wiring issue, yeah. There's really no... And there's really nowhere to put them. Uh-huh. And so I had full real surround sound for about six months in Brooklyn, and then I moved. <laughs> and then I didn't have nowhere to do it. And then I have a turntable in the living room attached to the receiver that comes out of the giant speakers. It's just an Audio Technica. It's a it's the sixty. It's not the fancy one. I've had surround sound in five point one for my entire adult life in every place I've ever been to. I will route speaker wire and I will set it up that way. At one point, I had it in my living room and I had it in my bedroom at one of my apartments here today. I have it sucks because I have kids and so I can never fucking turn it up. <laughs> it's like it's there, but for no reason. I have an LG, uh, I forget what it is. It's an OLED 4K TV that I got to replace my Sony Master Series TV, which died about three days past the one year warranty, just out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm st- I'll never buy a Sony TV again because they were like, "Yeah, fuck you," and I was like, "But 
like I bought like the expensive, nice, best reviewed TV because I was like, let's do this. And Lindsay had to listen to me for a year going, look at how dark those blacks are. That is look at that. The color on the screen, I mean. And I have a uh, Yamaha RX V683 7.2 receiver. That's exactly what I have. Okay. I only use a 5.1 setup. I have a, I have uh, Klipsch uh, fronts. They're just four-inch ones. I had bigger ones on there. I have a Klipsch center, and I have a wireless Klipsch uh, subwoofer that's back sort of off to the back and rear. And then I have, I have Polk corner speakers for surrounds that are up on the sides of the wall. That all works fine. It's nice. It works really well. I've finally got pretty good at tuning it. I think I had it tuned very badly for years and years and years. I've never had a soundbar. I guess I have a turntable on that TV down there. I don't use it. I have another turntable up in my office with some DefTech uh, i9 speakers and a Denon. I forget what it is, but it's an analog receiver, but it's new for records that I just listen to. They directly blast into my face at my desk, and I'm very happy. My old apartment, which was really small, had a soundbar, and it worked fine when you can't do surround sound i also just because it wasn't said like i use apple tvs as my main Mm -hmm. sort of source for everything to come in i have a 4k apple tv downstairs and i have the same tv that connor has in my bedroom so in the living room tv wise i have the samsung 55 inch the frame yes tv which is 4k uhd LED um, one. It's the 2021 model, I think, or 2020 model. Explain what the frame is. So the frame is basically it's a it's a TV, and I and I have the the faux wood plastic bezel. Basically, it looks like hung art on the wall. And the TV has two modes. One mode is regular TV mode, and the other mode is art mode, where you can connect to a like a digital store where you can buy artwork. You can upload your own artwork. But uh, the best case scenario, the the best case example of this is that when we moved, we had a friend of ours who we knew from our previous apartment come in to visit us, and she walked in and said, "Oh, where, where when'd you get that piece of art? That wasn't in your apartment." And her <laughs> husband was like, "It's the TV." Like, <laughs> but it totally fooled her, which was great. And that's the whole purpose is that my wife wanted when we moved to the house, my wife was like, was like, yeah, we can get a big TV, but I don't want it to look like a TV, which is what it does, which is great. So you can, you know, by day you've got art displaying on it. And then by night, you know, it switches over to nice, to a nice 4k screen. It's cool. I've seen it. It's, it's, it's a cool looking TV. Yeah. My LG OLED has that as a screensaver. Like it has art pieces and it yeah. looks awesome but there's no way to make it stop so it changes every 10 seconds which pisses me. i was like can i just leave it on this and go this whole thing is like meant to like you pick one piece you can choose the matting like so and it, and it like there have been times where like i've looked at it and i'm like i can't tell if that's real or not oh it's awesome yeah they've done a very very good job of making it be very believable that it, you're hanging a piece of art you know like with texture and like high res of the images yeah. like the whole that the whole thing is that that's the whole purpose of it do you have a favorite piece that you show no we rotate i mean now man we let the kids you know like luna's just like oh a, a whale and so we put up the whatever it is carrie bought a, a couple of digital art from artists that she liked that, that we've put up there and, and done that i haven't like i haven't loaded any comic art or any photography or anything like this stuff like that that's mine Good. just because i don't want to subject it like i've got enough art hanging around the house like the the freaking loveless record cover blow up that i got from my buddy valentine like is framed in the dining room like i don't need to push my stuff <laughs> like it's so <laughs> but yeah so we have that as a tv i have a gorgeous set of floors front left and right speakers by energy my dad got me 
10 plus years ago, but are like high end, high, high, high end speakers that are currently sitting in storage along with my uh, old Marantz amplifier because uh, I have toddlers and I don't want wires and stuff <laughs> or anybody grabbing anything. So as of right now, we're just using the speakers in the frame TV and it's fine because the kids' bedrooms are next to the living room. And like Josh, you said, I can't turn it up anyway, so whatever. Mm-hmm. Driving the, the monitor is a Google Chromecast 4K. So I get all the, the streaming apps, stuff like that through that. And it's fine for now. You know, there will be a day in the future when I blow out the home theater like I had previously in my life. But right now, the stage of my life, it's not. And that's okay. In the office, though, I've got two preamp going into a mini amplifier that's driving the same Audio Technica turntable everybody has. LP120. And then um, I have a pair of Klipsch. Whatever. How do you pronounce that, Josh? Clips? Clips. You had Clip. it. Studio grade speakers for the turntable. Yeah. My clips are clips reference. And I have a pair of uh, six inch clips reference that I used to have down there. And they're in my closet, but they sound really good. Yeah. Those, are, those are great. They're small profile and, yeah. and just sound great. So there it is. This next question is the potential to be troublesome. I love it. JB from Michigan writes Who are your first pop culture media crushes? I've been thinking about this question for several years, ever since my wife and daughters gave me the Batman 66 Blu-ray box set. I remembered how Julia Newmar's Catwoman imprinted on my young brain. Oh, like actual, like opposite, like sexual crushes. Right. Okay. Oh, geez. My wife is also a strong-willed independent brunette who takes no shit and wears a lot of tight outfits. My other early crush was on Aaron Gray's Colonel Wilma Deering. At least I'm consistent. She was from, uh, I think, uh, Battlestar Galactica. So he's older than us. No, no. Maybe. Or got syndicated programming. So who who were your first pop culture media crushes? Jeez. And do they correspond at all to your current romantic situations? Oh, this is this is like that's this is like like I don't know if I want to go down this angle. Like this is <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Everyone has crushes. Sure, yeah, like, but like the tying it to like like is your partner have any qualities of a crush from like <laughs> Did you marry Daisy Duke? No. no. None of us did. <laughs> no, I'm uh, let's let, let's first of let's take that off the table. I don't think that's healthy. <laughs> yeah, I think healthy. I don't think that's part. healthy to connect, you know. <laughs> None of us need divorces. We can't afford it. I can tell you very clearly that I had a crush on Punky Brewster. Hmm. Interesting. When we were the same age as her, and then did you think you had a chance? uh, I don't even (laughs) think I would have known what that meant. (laughs) And then you know, like the Saved by the Bell, your Kelly Kapowski's, right? uh, Lisa Turtle, like one, you know, like in there somewhere. Not Jesse. Jesse was. I mean, I I definitely know what he's saying. Like all the women from the Batman sixty six, you know, Yvonne Craig's Batgirl, Julie Newmar's Catwoman, definitely made me feel things I didn't understand. But Fascinating. the one I remember at more contemporarily was Nicole Eggert on Charles in Charge. Ah, uh, that was a good one. I remember that one. Yeah. That one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, there was definitely a Lara Flynn Boyle time with Twin Peaks. Well, sure. Twin Peaks. Yeah. That was definitely uh that was definitely one. I, I gotta say, by the time you're talking about like preteen and high school, you know, like it was everything. So every cute I don't girl even in have, every show. No, I was still. I was discerning. I was discerning. I was discerning. But I'm saying there was a wide variety. I was like, I like that one girl from En Vogue. Like it didn't matter. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that that really hasn't changed for you into middle age, has it? <laughs> well, I have a lot less energy on it now. Now I definitely know I don't have a chance. <laughs> I mean, Josh is correct for me. Like it was just like there was a cute girl in a show. It was like there was the crush. Right. What's really funny is. 
there was a girl I don't remember her name, but she was on just the 10 of us. One of those, one of the many girls on that show. And <laughs> so my first job at a college was at a TV studio. We, we had a lot of interview shows and I was the PA in charge of the talent. Like if you came in to be on a show, my job was to take care of you until you got on the show, you know, get you to the green room, get your, and, and Heather Langenkamp came in. Like, <laughs> it was not her. It was the other one. It was the brunette and- one. Yeah, I was like, oh, wow. I totally thought she was cute when I was a kid. So she's in the green room and I'm back at my desk working on the computer and I hear something and I turn around and she's sitting on my desk, like <laughs> perched on my desk because <laughs> there was nothing going on. She was bored. And I was just like, what is happening right now? Did you get a chance? She wanted to torment me. I was 22 and she realized she was beautiful. But like, it was just funny because like one of the cute crushes from my childhood was literally perched on my desk. But Oh, uh, Danica McClellar. We all were in love. Oh, of with, course. Oh, with my her. God. I think I was. No, she was never. Winnie no. Cooper. Come on. I Winnie Cooper mean, was everyone's. You know, I'm trying to think of like really standout ones like Daisy Duke, you know, from the Jake's Dukes. I feel like I could tell you ones from the last 10 years a lot easier. <laughs> Again. <laughs> I know. I fall in love with characters all the time. That's not a thing. Well, like ER, right? I mean. <sighs> you know. Not really on that show. No, a little bit of Abby. Abby Lockhart. Yeah, but not because like oh uh, Sherry like Stringfield. Like uh, yes. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. You're not wrong. Actually. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Listen just, to him. He's just like you just got guttural there. You got guttural. <laughs> no, I was trying to say like just be in the train station with with Mark just. Thinking we fucked up, and you did. <laughs> then again, though, like you always wonder, like I don't think Mark ever really did have a chance, uh, and that's great. When she came back to the show, it was almost like they just they wanted to ignore that plot line. Well, the, yeah, and that was the correct thing. But, it, but like when he died, they was like, "Well, wait a minute, weren't you guys kind of in love?" I'm like, eh, whatever. yeah, but they had they had a whole thing, and he had a whole family when she came back, and you grow up. Think about any show when we were kids. You know, there was always a cute girl on it, and. Evie on Out of This World. Evie on Out of This World, yep. for sure. That's one. You know, you're young and you don't understand these feelings, and you're full of hormones, and they're yep. you, you, you have a crush on everybody. Oh, I'll give you, I'll give you one. I'll give, I'll, I'll definitely give you like, like if we're talking pre preteen, like that yeah. that sort of thing. And and this is you know mildly embarrassing. Mr. T. No, um, Alanis Morissette when she was on, you can't do that on television. Oh my oh, goodness. I get that brunette like she had the the box checking for me when that was at an early age what about lady j she's not real but yes but lady j, lady j falls into that category yes i will i will admit lady j's on this list <laughs> i will admit, i'll put scarlet from gi joe on this oh, list when man, i was lady in j elementary was, school lady j was hot <laughs> see we're not above this it's disturbing <laughs> <laughs> what about alf miss akmonic <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> Seinfeld. <laughs> it's all fun. You know, like the yeah. thing is like, this is what you're supposed to do. These shows are full of attractive people and they want you to fall in love with yeah. them. That's why you keep watching them a little bit. Even now, whatever. I'm telling you, it's better for us now than like whatever today is. Can you imagine if they had euphoria when we were like teenagers? Oh, Forget geez. it. I don't even know what that means. I've never seen it, but I just, I know it's, that's not the A-team. <laughs> sure. Right. Sure, Blair from Facts of Life, or even Married with Children. Oh, Christine Applegate. You know yeah, what? Sure. Christine Applegate. That's she was a big one for me. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. I forgot about it. you. Just said it, right and I was like, oh yeah, no, I fixated on that one for a while. 
that one. It's embarrassing. <laughs> what are you talking about? I remember when like she showed up again, like finally in Anchorman. I was like, I love her. <laughs> do you want to do one more or do you want to end on that? Yeah, we got to do one more. All right. Ken from the Great White North, which he means Canada, but I, I like to think he's in like the Yukon. <laughs> and then he's got a hike for like three days with his dogs sure. to get to a point where he can finally download all of his podcasts, listen to them all at once, and then hikes back to wherever he is hunting whales. <laughs> That's my little story for Ken whenever he writes in. Ken from the Great White North says, I was wondering if the three movies you think are the best ever created are the same as your top three favorite movies. And if not, no. in what ways do they differ? Interesting. Wait, repeat that. What, what is the... I was wondering if the three movies you think are the best ever created are the same as your top three favorite. This is always the oh, thing people sometimes get mad at us about on our fanboys pick of the week show because we say the pick of the week is uh, we used to say the best book we changed it to favorite because people would get hung up on that yeah uh, right because there might be a better in terms of craft but it didn't resonate with you or you yeah, didn't like which it means or, no. yeah. the fact is I don't know what the best movies ever made are I've got some ideas but it's probably some I haven't seen and I'm not willing to say that my opinion of the thing that I like the best is the same as the best thing that's ever been made right you know you could say citizen kane as an example right. is one of the best movies ever made it's one of my favorite movies but it's not top three i remember roger ebert was on the tonight show talking about the oscar nominations a long time ago this was in the 90s and he was saying how schindler's list was going to win the best picture nominee for sure yeah but that everyone was going to watch their screeners of the fugitive yeah more than they were going to watch schindler's list yep. mm-hmm. so was schindler's list a better movie from a filmmaking standpoint yes probably but was the fugitive Maybe people's favorite movie more than the Shindles list, probably also. It's tough. Yeah. This is a great way to do it. I mean, like, there's so many places that build lists and stuff like that. But I feel like for this, in this particular topic, AFI is probably the one that we can depend on, the American Film Institute, right? And so I will gladly say that my three favorite movies of all time are, you know, firmly locked in, you know, as Star Wars, Goodfellas, It's a Wonderful Life, right? Mm-hmm. With the Muppet movie and the fourth one there, right? And according to AFI, the top three movies of all – let's do top four because I said the Muppet movie. Top four movies of all time are number one is Citizen Kane, number two is Casablanca, number three is The Godfather, number four is Gone with the Wind, right? right. Which are of those four movies in my top – you know, I, you know, Citizen Kane, Godfather, Gone with the Wind, you know, like Casablanca. It's hard to deny they're all in a top whatever, but they're not my own personal top four. I like Lawrence of Arabia. It's great, but it's not my top. Right. You know, yeah. It sort of meshes together, right? Like, what is your favorite? What is the best? It's all art. And so Casablanca is my favorite movie. I also think it's one of the best movies. It's your favorite movie of all time? It's my favorite movie of all time. It's your number one movie? It's my number one movie. No, I'm shocked. After all these, I didn't even never said Casablanca was your number one movie. I'm not surprised at all. No, he's, if he hasn't said it, it fits. Yeah. No, I, I definitely do. It fits, but I feel like you, I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. But like, I love Star Wars. Sure. You know, and I think Star Wars is also a great movie. What is your favorite? What is the best? It all depends on what your mood is and how you choose to define it in that moment. Right. Like The Godfather is also my top five. Yeah. It's also one of the best movies ever made. And so the question too is like, what does best mean? Right. There's no scorecard. You can pretend there's one. You could sort of make one up or whatever, but. I can say that Raiders of the Lost Ark is the best movie of the Indiana Jones films. Sure. But 
Not your favorite. Last Crusade is my favorite. Exactly. Same here. Yeah, exactly. Raiders of the Lost Ark, from a filmmaking standpoint, from a script, from performances, it's probably the best. But Last Crusade is the one I will throw on if I'm just going to watch one Indiana Jones movie. I got to say, at this point, I'd have a really hard time doing like a my top five movies because sure. there's so many variables. Like I was just, I'm looking through the AFI list and I just thought, there's no reason why Butch Casting the Sundance Kid couldn't be my number one favorite movie of all time. Right. Except that there's Jaws. Right. Yeah. Like, like, how do you even? Yeah. Like, like, I, like, well, Pulp Fiction could easily be my favorite movie of all time. Don't look at the list, but do you guys know what number 69 on the AFI list is? <laughs> yeah, sure. I definitely know. Last Tango in Paris. Shane. Shane? Shane. 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 <laughs> I love Shane. What are his good fellows on that list? 94. 94. 94? Yeah, right above Pulp Fiction at 95. 94. I'm looking at a different year, I think. No, it's just the AFI's 100 years, 100 movies. Yeah, but the one that I'm looking at is like a check off how many you've seen. Yeah, that's what I'm on. Yeah, that's what I'm on right now. I'm not getting the same thing as you said. Four was something else. Four Gone with the Wind. Raging Bull on this one. Oh, weird. Gone with the Wind is six on this list. I'm on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Movies. 10th Anniversary Edition is what I'm looking at. Oh, weird. Whatever. The thing is, it's it's hard to say. It's all art. It's all great. It all makes you feel something in the moment. (laughs) Like, Like the Deer Hunters on this list. I will never, ever, ever, ever watch that movie again. That's how I Ever. feel about Taxi Driver. I've watched that a couple times, but I see. I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Like I really liked it at the moment. I don't necessarily need to feel that again. What I felt watching. Yeah, yeah. Well, same thing with uh, Kubrick. Two thousand one. No, the other I one. I watched that. I watched Eyes Wide Shut. The one Josh loves. Eyes Wide Shut. Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange. Shane. Mm-hmm. I watched it once. I don't need to watch it again. I understand that. I, I'm kind of disturbed that I did make it my favorite movie for a long time. That's that's the edgy choice. Of your no, I still really like it. And I've seen no, it's, it it's not time. a. It's a great I, movie, but it's, it's for a while. It's like the choice of a certain kind of film person who wants to make a certain yes, kind of statement. But in that time, I I watched it a lot, and there's a lot of things that I really appreciate about it. But I don't think that I did appreciate the sort of other side of it, which is it's really violent and ugly, which is kind of on purpose, but not enjoyable to me anymore. Right. How does your favorite differ from your best? I mean, they don't. You know? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I'm not making an academic decision where I'm sitting down. I'm like, I want to watch a movie. Let me watch the best movie that's ever been made. I want to watch the one that I'm the most interested in, and you know, and, and that I would like the most, and that sort of thing. Last night, I stumbled on Midnight Run. It was on one of the movie channels, and it's a perfect movie. I think. I think it's a perfect movie. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a perfect movie. Does that mean it's in my top five of all time? No. Is it maybe in my top ten? Maybe. I, the thing is, all these things it depends on when you watch them, how you're feeling at the time what you want to see. Like it, it's all just, you yeah. know, it's what it's wonderful. Yep. So oh, well. there you go. There you go, Ken. Cool. Thanks for writing in Ken and Jay and Matt and Andrew and John. If we didn't get your email this year, we're sorry, but we're looking forward to more emails in the next year as we turn into a 2023. So like I said, at the beginning, this is our final media split of the year. Next month in December, we'll have our all media year and roundup, our regular final show of the year, which we'll be talking about. Some of the things we talked about throughout the year on media split will show up in that show and it'll be a fun time. You can look forward to that around December 18th. You can always watch or listen to, not watch, but you can listen to. We're not, you know, the viewers are not listeners and vice versa. You can always listen to our Pick of the Week show every week with Josh and I talk about the week's comics. You can listen to All About Android, where Ron talks about everything having to do with the world of Android phones and, and operating systems and tablets and you, anything you, else. You said it. You nailed it. AAA.com? No, twit.tv slash AAA. That's confusing. Well, I'm sorry.
So you can find all that stuff there. You can find everything we do at ifanboy.com. Thanks for listening throughout the year. We'll be back in January with a new media explode. Thank you if you're a patron who unlocked this show, and we appreciate it. And until next time, I'm Connor. I'm Ron. I'm Josh. Good night. Or if it's morning, go have breakfast. <laughs> I've got eyes to see with, ears to hear with, arms to hug with, lips to kiss with, someone to adore. How could anybody ask for more? My needs are small, buy them all, five and ten cent store. Oh, I've got plenty to be thankful for.